Hello, this is Kenny, and welcome back to another episode of McKill's Deck Chronicles. In today's episode, we're going to be talking some more about our narcissists. We have covered a couple of different things already, like what is a narcissist. We went over three types of narcissists. And in this episode, we were going to go over narcissism in the Bible and different narcissists that were in the Bible. This is to kind of get an idea of what the Bible talks about, some of the things you're not supposed to be doing, and lists explicitly what you're not supposed to be doing and some things that God hates. And it just so happens that lots of these different items that are listed is the same thing that a narcissist displays and the things that they do. And so what I'm going to do is go over some of those things and just kind of briefly explain it in the Bible. So obviously the very first thing we're going to talk about or the first thing in the Bible um, as far as the narcissists go is Lucifer. You know, Lucifer is the father of narcissists. Now I mentioned that in an earlier podcast. So long ago, you know, before the any existence of any kind of psychotherapists out there, okay, we have Lucifer. And basically he was a very powerful and popular angel, okay? And his name was Lucifer. He was very talented. He was very good-looking, the Bible says. And now you add all these particular God-given qualities up, you know, knowing how nice and good he was, and he was the most beautiful of all of them, it should have made him grateful and humble that he had been blessed with all this different stuff. But instead, now he was he was prideful. So he got caught up in pride and also started having fantasies that he was going to be greater than God himself. So he just thought he would just outdo his own creator. He believed that he was greater than God. And uh, so we have some of uh, Lucifer's stuff here, some of his antics recorded here in Isaiah 14. And it goes like this. It says, um, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So Lucifer basically, out of his mind here, actually wants to replace God on on the throne. He thinks he can be God, okay? And if it wasn't enough for him to have all these delusional thoughts, obviously, because he is a created being, and how you can somehow get above your creator, I'll never understand why you would think that. Not only did he think that, he also organizes other angels with him in order to over, overthrow God. So his plans are to overthrow God with the help of other created beings. You know, so I would say that he severely overestimated his importance and he overestimated his power because, again, he's just a created being. He can't do anything to the creator, and you'd think he would know that. So, obviously, God didn't like it. Lucifer had a little narcissistic meltdown, if you will. God didn't like it. Um, so God demoted him and cast him down out of heaven. Just that simple. 
Now, obviously, it is not that simple when it comes to us humans on Earth. We have the narcissists that are trying to ruin our lives and do everything they can and will to harm you. And, you know, we can't just cast them out and take power over them. It'd be nice if we could. But we can't. So one of the other um, ones, which I've mentioned before already, that would be a narcissist in the Bible is Jezebel. And the reason I'm mentioning Jezebel again is because the Bible mentions a thing called the Jezebel spirit that these different women have. And I've heard different preachers talk about it before, saying these women have the Jezebel spirit. Well, basically that spirit is a reference to people who are like the equivalent of a covert narcissist. Okay, so what they want to do is they covertly try to manipulate somebody um, to accomplish their own agenda. So whatever they want done, they don't just come necessarily right out and do it, but they try to work behind the scenes to manipulate other people to get what they want. So a Jezebel spirit is basically a narcissist. I personally know several people, women, who have a Jezebel spirit. So now let's go on to Judas. Now Judas, as you know, um, he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, he's the one that turned Jesus Christ into the Jewish authorities, which caused him to be punished and crucified, obviously. Um, Jesus calls him a devil, so... I'm under the belief that he possibly was devil-possessed the whole time and Jesus knew it. He was not actually a, you know, a disciple like everybody thought he was. So after he betrayed Jesus, um, people say, you know, obviously the Bible says that he ran off and he killed himself. Um, so maybe he was, you know, really tore up about what he did, so he, so he killed himself. So maybe he wasn't a narcissist. However, he could have still been a narcissist. He may have just been remorseful because he got caught, you know, and they killed Jesus. And obviously after Jesus was killed, he would no longer be an apostle. So he's going to lose his status. Basically, the moment that Jesus dies and everybody turns against Jesus, they're going to turn against him. So after he realized what he'd done and had lost his gravy train, so to speak, then he was probably, he wasn't necessarily distraught that he had Jesus killed, he was worried about himself, you know, and his money and his self and everything. And that's when he drove, you know, himself to kill himself. It drove him to kill himself. It wasn't necessarily because he was so distraught over what he'd done to Jesus. So based on some of the stuff I've read, I mean, a person may be able to conclude that Judas was not a narcissist because he demonstrated remorse. You know, he was really sad and he killed himself. However, I think that he was probably just sorry that he was caught for the personal consequences, you know, and he had a poorly executed scheme that everybody figured out it was him. And he probably knew that in time, um, other disciples would eventually try to kill him or some of Jesus' other, other followers would hunt him down. And an interesting side note there about Judas, um, I think that here in John 12, um, it talks about Judas and about the oil, um, where it says, Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, 
Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And that's whenever the lady came and she dumped the oil on Jesus' head. And then Judas comes up with this and says, well, then you just wasted the oil, basically. We could have sold it and given it to the poor. And then Jesus turns around and responds and says, well, I'm only going to be here for a short time. The poor is always going to be around. Okay, you can help them anytime. So this is another impossible link to him being a narcissist. And basically, it's the it's the act of turning something good and trying to turning it into something shameful and bad. So it was good because Jesus said it was good, but he wanted to turn it into bad like the lady was wasting the oil and they could have taken the money for the oil, you know, and sold it or sold the oil, taken the money and given it to the poor, you know. So in other words, just trying to twist something that was good, trying to make it look bad, which is one of the things narcissists are very good at. They try to make everything you do that's good, try to make you believe you've done something bad when you haven't. Similar deal here that Judas tried. Now, moving on a little bit here, we can talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul. Of course, he wasn't a narcissist, but he demonstrates and lists a bunch of stuff when he's talking to Timothy, and he lists all this different stuff off and it's just like a narcissist list, if you ask me. I mean, if you were going to do a thesis on narcissistic characteristics, this would probably be what you would write it on, in my personal opinion. So you can find this in 2 Timothy 3, okay? And it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, Okay, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if that doesn't describe a narcissist, I don't know what does. And basically... There, he's describing people that are basically just, my opinion, filthy, unteachable, unruly, toxic. Nobody that needs to be near a Christian. A Christian shouldn't be anywhere near people like this. So at the very, very beginning of Paul's list, you know, is lovers of themselves. Okay, so they're lovers of themselves, and that is that's a narcissist right there. Um, a narcissist is in love with one person, and that person is themselves. That's who they're in love with. So that, I mean, lovers of themselves right there, the very first thing. Um, and this concept, you know, this this comes from a story, a Greek, a Greek story, a mythological figure called Narcissus. I mean, that's where that's where they get the word narcissist is from this Greek, you know, figure called Narcissist. And in that particular little story, you know, he gazed upon his own image he looked at his own image 
and and he fell in love with himself. He thought he was so beautiful and so wonderful, he actually fell in love with his image. Okay, so that's kind of a little story. Of course, you can Google that. It's all over the place. So in doing some reading here about one, what some psychologists think, you know, they think that um, a narcissist could have a bad childhood, okay, is one of the reasons these people become narcissists to begin with. They think that they either were deprived of love and attention or they were immersed with an overdose of adoration and attention, okay, by a by the parents. So it's either one or the other. It's either lack of attention or way too much attention. And I know I know you've seen it. We've seen kids that are completely neglected. And then you've also seen kids that the parents just ooh and ah over and they can't do anything wrong and they get rewarded for doing things that are wrong. And those people there grow up to be narcissists because they think the world revolves around them. Okay. So that's just one of the one of the many things that these um psychologists think kind of gets these narcissists started, um, which, of course, if a parent treats them like that, you know, then they think they're basically the center of the universe and they're programmed by their parents to love themselves, you know. And I guess if the, if the parents didn't give them any, any attention at all, it'd be the same thing. They just have to think, well, I just have to, it's all about me then, me, 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 so I'm going to do everything for myself, and they get that same, either way, they go crazy in my opinion. So one of the next ones we have that Paul had mentioned is covetous, okay? Um, so to covet something means to have a desire for what belongs to another person. It's coveting, wanting what somebody else has. Um, so basically a narcissist is covetous of other people's possessions their influence, their physical features, relationships, their power. So um, this covetous narcissist is basically, they have an obsession with other people and things these other people have. And in some cases, they think that these things that other people have should rightly be theirs. They think they should have those things. You know, they may not want to work for it. Like, you know, they look at somebody else that's been working their whole life and made good decisions and has lots of stuff. Well, they want that stuff, and they think they should have that stuff, you know, even though they've done nothing for it. So these narcissists are covetous, okay? And like it says in James 4, chapter 2, or chapter 4, verse 2, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, one of the reasons that this covetous thing comes into place, you know, with a narcissist is because a narcissist thinks that they, you know, the, the world revolves around them. They think they are the greatest thing in the world, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's what they think. And when somebody has something that they don't have that they want, you see, it kind of starts contradicting their false identity. They're like, well, this person has this and I want it and I don't have it. And I'm very special, see, so why don't I have it? So it starts eating on them, you know, eating, eating away at their brain. It's like an injury to them. It just eats them up because somebody else has something they don't have. Now, what I'm talking about is like an injury 
Now, there can be a narcissistic injury. They can, a narcissist can be injured. However, basically what a narcissistic, a narcissistic injury is, is whenever it hurts the structure, okay, or the fake fakeness here of the narcissist false self. So it's anything that brings a narcissist face-to-face with the reality of what they are and not what they've imagined they are. Okay, so, you know, a narcissist can get injured on social media when they put up their fake, plastic, ridiculous posts over and over about, look at me, look at my life, look how happy I am. And then, you know, somebody says something or knows that that's not even the truth and it makes them look into reality that this is all fake plastic junk they're posting and then they're injured see because people are getting maybe get caught on to what their little their little fake facebook accounts doing and then on top of that if anybody outshines or outdoes a narcissist in any way that creates an injury to them now they're mad about that Okay, so if you outshine a narcissist because people are looking at your legitimate stuff and not looking at their fake plastic junk that they post because they can obviously see that it's junk, well, now now you're their enemy. You're enemy number one to this narcissist because you just outshined them. People are like, oh, look at this person, and they take their attention off of the narcissist. Now, that's hurt the narcissist's feelings right there. Okay, that's an injury. You can't do that to them because the world revolves around them in their minds, okay? I mean, how dare you take the spotlight off of them and their greatness, you know, and all that they've done? How dare you take the spotlight off of them and be normal and get their attention? Which brings us to another one of the tactics or one of the things they use that Paul mentioned, and that's their boasters, have you ever noticed that? Have you seen seen these narcissists? If you know what a narcissist is and have been around narcissists, you know that they're that they're boasters. Okay, they're very boastful. Look at me. I know several. Oh, they are just all they do is talk about what they have and what they can do. And look at me. And uh, you know, in reality, you look at them and you don't really see what they're seeing. So basically, they're delusional. Okay, they're blind to reality. Um, they've got their own little conjured up reality, what they think they're doing versus what is actually going on. So, you know, they brag about themselves. They brag about their accomplishments, their finances, you know, just like they're bursting with success when actually, if you looked at the facts, you could see that they're probably in bankruptcy or they don't have any money at all or the living or they're living paycheck to paycheck, you know. And uh, of course, these narcissists, these same ones, they're they're very elaborate liars as well. And I've heard a couple of them tell these lies and you just absolutely would not believe it. You're talking about lie about everything, elaborate, deep lies that you can see that's not real, but that doesn't stop them from doing it. So these narcissists like this, they, uh, you know, they have this imagination and they embellish everything, boast about everything. So, you know, they can, they want everybody to know how great they are and how much they have. 
at all costs, basically. Another thing, these narcissists on the boasting part of it, um, they go on and on about their accomplishments and their greatness. And, of course, you know, it irritates you, I'm sure. It can irritate you if they go on and on and on and talking to you and you know they're lying. But basically, I believe that there's a demonic spirit behind that. Of course, I think there's a demonic spirit about behind all narcissists. I think they're being controlled by the devil. Okay. But you've got this demonic spirit of braggart, of bragging. Um, it's basically a spirit that wants to self-promote and at the same time wants to belittle you and make you feel like you're nothing. It's it's this whole thing. I've said it before. Look at me. Look at me and look at everything I've done. And I will do and say and post anything fake and plastic I can to make you look at me and believe something that's a lie. Because I'm a compulsive liar. Why? Because I'm a narcissist. Now, one of the other things that we get to on his list is pride. So being proud. Okay. Now, when I say being proud, there's nothing wrong about being proud about accomplishments you know, a healthy pride, like say, hey, my kids did this. You're proud that your kids are doing good. Um, but there's a difference between having a healthy pride about something you've done or a toxic pride that makes it impossible for anybody to even talk to you or, or coexist with you because of you're so prideful. So narcissistic pride, okay, is basically condescending and abusive their pride stuff is to get you to feel like nobody and build them up to somebody. Now, if you read through Proverbs, you're going to find that there are six things that it declares, Proverbs declares that God hates. Okay. And the very first thing on the list that God hates is a proud look. You imagine that the Bible actually said God hates it. So it's basically so narcissistic and it's pride that shows, okay? Even on the, fa I mean, the countenance of the person, that's that narcissistic pride, and God hates it. He hates a proud look. You know, and over here in Proverbs 6.16, you know, it says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. So, I mean, a proud look is the very first thing mentioned in this verse, and uh, pride of a narcissist, of course, is very intense. That's what they're all about. Every conversation has to be centered around them. Everything revolves around them. Um, they're entirely concerned about the way they look. I mean, I know, I know several. That's all they care about is how they look. Falls back to like my old saying, me, 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 look at me. So they're basically a, narcissist, a narcissist's pride destroys any healthy relationship that they could ever have. You can't maintain actual friends and stuff when you're a braggart and so prideful and keep talking about yourself and think the world revolves around you. I mean, you just can't do it. Nobody wants to be around it for long. Now, one of the next ones that was on the list of Paul's list was disobedient to parents. Okay. And, of course, that's interesting talking about a narcissist because um, we figured out by because psychologists, you know, they say that most narcissists are created through poor parental experiences. 
So poor parenting has created these narcissists. So as a consequence, of course, um, the principles of authority and leadership are not even conceivable in the mind of a narcissist. So of course they're going to disrespect their parents. They're going to disrespect them, going to be disobedient, um, not all the time, but often rebellious to all authority. You know, some narcissists, they don't want to have anything to do with authority. Any kind of authority over them, they don't have any part of it because they want to be the boss, you know. They don't want they don't want to obey the rules. So that right there has to do with the parental authority, you know, from the parents is usually where a kid learns to respect and adhere to society's different levels of authority that we have. You know, however, narcissists, they have no respect for any kind of authority. Um, they're blatantly rebellious. Okay. Um, they, or now some of them may not be openly rebellious. And if that's the case, they have a passive rebellion. And uh, that's, you know, because they're, they're rebelling, but they're doing it secretly. Now, another one on Paul's list was unthankful. So the narcissist, of course, is not thankful. They have no gratitude for anyone or anything. Um, so you could do something. Basically, you can bend over backwards for them, something to do something to help them out of a bind or whatever. And they're basically so empty that they don't even recognize the moments when they should be grateful. So you could do something for them, and you probably will not get any type of recognition for it. Okay, you're, you're literally just wasting your time. Now, part of that is because the narcissist believes there's always more you could have done. Okay, you can literally go to the moon and back for this person. And when you get back, they're going to say, well, you know, you could have done this too, and this and this and this and this and this. Nothing is ever good enough. Okay, I've, I've heard that one several times myself. It, nothing, you, you should have done more. Nothing's ever good enough. And basically, you can't do anything to please an ingrate. An ingrate is an ungrateful person. There's nothing you can do to please an ungrateful person. You get over here in the Bible in Romans 1, 21, it says, For although they knew, they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, basically, a person who's ungrateful, unthankful, doesn't care, um, they get continuously worse in their thinking and their acting. They get worse and not better. Because their hearts become darkened, according to the Bible, and they don't even have the ability to see the benefits that are before them. You can be you can be the one offering them something, and they don't have the ability to see the benefits they're being offered. Now, after a narcissist, okay, gets rid of the relationship, you know they've 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 treated you like a dog, and you finally get up and leave. Then they might kind of start saying, hey, you know, maybe I did something wrong here. In other words, they won't appreciate a good relationship until they destroy it. But then after they've destroyed it, you know, they're going to want they're going to want you back. But they don't really want the person back. They're wanting the benefits or something that you provided back. OK, so they can come back and say, oh, man, I want you back. They really don't want you. I mean, they either want something you know you were offering 
So let's say that you paid for everything in the relationship. You were the payer. Okay. They want that. They want that payer back. They don't really love you and want you back, but they want that money. They want you to continue to pay for everything. That's what they're wanting back. Okay. Not you. Which brings us to another one on the list. And another one on the list is truce breakers. Okay. And basically, a truce breaker, by definition, is a person who fails to honor a covenant. So, um, a narcissist is basically not capable of fulfilling any covenants that has anything to do with the other person's feelings or needs. Now, they can fulfill a covenant that has to do with physical or a job or something like that. They can do that. But when it comes to a covenant that has to do with your feelings or your needs and what you want or need or whatever, now, now they can't do that. The reason for that is basically by nature, a narcissist, um, the only person they're committed to doing anything with is themselves. They're committed 100% to themselves, not to you, to themselves. So, of course, they can't keep any type of agreement you know, like that, because they don't, they don't think they need to. Everything revolves around them, not you. Another one on Paul's list is false accusers. Basically, a false accuser will make up a lie about anybody. Okay, they'll make up a lie that puts them in some kind of favorable light. So everybody will look at them and positively um and look at somebody else negatively. So this is all about look at me, build, building them up. So they're going to tell a lie, and they don't care. They may have to accuse somebody else of doing something to make themselves look good. And they don't care if it destroys the person's career, reputation, family. really doesn't make any difference. They will say anything to make themselves look good. Of course, the Bible here, it does uh, mention, you know, bearing false witness against other people. And in Exodus 23, 1, it says, you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. So it's telling you right there, you are not supposed to say false lies about people and make up lies to make people look bad or for whatever reason. You're not supposed to do it. Another one on the list is despisers of those who are good. So basically, a narcissist does not like people who are actually authentically good. Okay, they despise people um, who are morally good. They hate people who are good at whatever they do. Um, basically, a narcissist despises anything good. And if you talk to a narcissist or know a narcissist, um, you'll see pretty quick that they don't want to be around anything any good. Everything is negative. Um. And, of course, in my opinion, when a narcissist sees somebody that's really good, an actual good person who cares, um, basically, they realize, maybe they kind of realize their own shortcomings because they realize they're not those things. So, of course, they don't, they don't like it. The reason for that is when a narcissist sees somebody else do something good and sees their good deeds or their good character... Um, they feel like the spotlight basically switches onto them and their flaws. Because if somebody else is doing something really good, now it accentuates the fact that you're not doing anything. Okay, that's the way they see it. So they get anxious and offended and get mad at you because 
they're not the center. They're not doing anything. And it makes it look like, you know, they're not doing anything, which they're not. And so basically in their minds, you know, the world can't perceive, can't go on without perceiving them. So how can it be looking at you and your good deeds without looking at them? And so it's all, of course, again, look at me and you're casting a negative light onto them because you're actually doing something good and they're doing nothing. So now they want to destroy you. They don't like that. Another one on our list is lovers of pleasures. That's on Paul's list. And basically, a narcissist um, places a very high value on extracurricular activities, um, doing all kinds of things that are, you know, of the world. Um, they like to portray themselves as having a, a successful life through all their activities and possessions. So they love material things. So buying things and displaying things, some of them make them very happy. And lots of them define themselves and they base their successes on luxury items, you know, purses and clothes and makeups and just, you know, the hair and the nails and the everything that's just completely, totally, you know, worldly and fake. That's what they love. They love those kind of pleasures. Of course, we know that the problem with this is is that this uh, happiness that they have um, concocted or dreamt up in their minds from all this stuff um, is very short-lived. And they're constantly in pursuit of this kind of stuff because it does not satisfy you. You know, getting your hair and nails and your Botox and your fake plastic pictures and fake plastic faces and, you know, displaying pictures of everything you're doing and what you, you know, pretending you're doing this stuff is it's never, it's a never satisfying thing. It's just never ending. So of course, you know, they're never, they're never actually happy. Basically it's said as such that a narcissist is rich in things that are irrelevant. Okay. But they're not rich or they have nothing with eternal things. So they got the rich with things that are relevant and they're poor with eternal things. The things that matter, the eternal things, they ain't gotten into that. Now, another one on our list here, which I think this will be our last one, is having a form of godliness. Okay? So basically, we have narcissists out here. I know some. Okay, I'm sure you do too. Not all, but some. They are heavily involved in religious things. Churches, you know, they go to church. Maybe they, you know, appear to be a Christian. They post lots of, you know, Christian memes. Um, so that makes them a Christian, right? So they're heavily involved in these different things. And the reason for that is because religion provides a really nice backdrop for their feelings of superiority, you know, I mean, obviously they want the world to revolve around them to begin with. They want to be superior over you. One of the things that some of them can do is they can use religion and pretend that they're very self-righteous. You know, this all goes right along with the bragging and the boasting and the lying and the very prideful. And so 
they're going to claim they're doing this stuff, you know, to set them up a little higher to get the attention that they, that they, in their minds, they deserve. And so religion, they can use religion, you know, to assault and to demean other people and to try to get your self-esteem lowered by claiming they are something that you're not. So what we can conclude from that is that lots of narcissists are religious, but they're not spiritual in any way. So they use religion and they'll use it against you, but they actually have no relationship with God, probably not at all. So they may be religious and they may, you know, post things or or say things or even go to church. However, they have no relationship with God, so they're probably not even saved. Okay, there it's just a big fake act to go along with all the other stuff that they do just to trick you and gaslight you into manipulation is what it is. Of course, whenever you obviously read the Bible, you know, and you're reading through the Gospels, you can figure out that's basically what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were. I mean, these were religious leaders. They were put in charge. They had the robes. They had all the attention. They had everything they wanted. Um, but they only had a form of godliness. They had a form of it because they actually didn't have a relationship with God at all. And that's why they crucified Jesus. Um, all they had was traditions and rituals. And, but they had no actual, authentic relationship with God. They were not saved. They were just actors in robes. And in reality, they hated the truth. They hated when the attention was not on them. And they murdered Jesus for it. So, as you can see, um, time and time again in the Bible, we have all different types of instances and you know, verses that could be related back to narcissists. I think that, like that list that Paul wrote, you know, to the church, um, I believe that basically everything on that list is a narcissistic tendency or a narcissistic trait. Okay. Um, like I said, I think it started with Lucifer. Um, and that's why I think that most of these narcissists um, that are full blown narcissists, I think they're probably maybe even demon possessed. Okay. They just, I don't believe that they, they may not even know they're doing it. I don't know. It's hard for me to tell. I don't believe that they're saved. I don't believe they have any remorse. I don't believe they have any empathy. I think that their whole entire goal in life is to use. Um, they want all the attention. Um, they want to use you to get whatever they want. And when they're done using you, you're all used up. And they will literally throw you away like trash and go on to the next one. And so they can put on a great act and pretend they love you. They can pretend all kinds of stuff, but it is just an act. And it's hard to believe because I know, you know, people want to trust people. You know, you want to see the good in people. And when you have somebody possibly in tears, you know, claiming how much they love you and going on and on and on about everything. And, you know, you want to believe them. And most likely you probably will. And then a little later it goes down the road and then you can see, well, wait a second. I mean, people who love people don't do that stuff. When you love somebody, you don't say that about them. You don't treat them that way. I mean, everybody has flaws, but, you know, it, you start, these red flags start showing up real quick. And, you know, they say they're sorry. They're not. They just, you know, it's just, they're sorry they got caught probably, or they're sorry that you're not going to pay anything for them anymore. 
you know, you're not going to be the payer anymore. But uh, anyway, so um, tell me what you think about that. I mean, if you have any questions, comments, give us an email at truthseekers2012 at gmail.com. And like I said before, you know, I'm a student of the Bible. Um, I read the Bible and I read these different books and I read articles and I listen to lots of preachers and lots of people talk about this stuff. Um, a lot of this is my opinion. Um, I have been subject to more than one narcissist. I know more than one narcissist. I know other people who know narcissists. And it doesn't take very much talking to these people to figure out that these narcissists have all the same traits. They all behave the same way. And they do it at different levels. And once you've been manipulated, abused, and exploited by a narcissist for years, possibly, you almost become an expert on it. I mean, I could, you know, a person could read a book, a psychologist could read a book, okay, and maybe they can write a book. I don't know. If they haven't lived it and know exactly how these people operate and how these narcissists are and these, you know, demonic acting, toxic, ridiculous narcissists, you know, if you haven't lived it, in my opinion, you don't really know it. I mean, you can read about it all day long and, you know, words on a page are just fine. Live through it. Live through it for a couple of years and have to put up with one and listen to absolute ridiculous, ludicrous lies constantly and made-up, false, blown-up stories that are just absolutely ridiculous off the, off the scale and just absolutely mind-blowing to listen to this stuff. And, you know, listen to this for a couple of years and then actually actually start believing that it might be you that's wrong, you know, and... They, they, ha they can get you convinced that it's you and that you somehow don't remember this stuff. I mean, so what, what you need to do, in my opinion, is when one of these narcissists tells you this big fantasy story, write it down. Get on your computer, type it out, or write it down real quick and put the date next to it. That way, in three months, when they come back and say, well, I never said that, you imagined it all. You're remembering incorrectly. You don't know what you're talking about. Then you can just flip open your paper and you can say, well, I just happened to write it down. And here's what you said. You see, but of course, then they're going to claim you're lying. You know, you just wrote that. You made that up. And so if they're doing any of this stuff on social media, which they most likely will be these days, as soon as you see it, you should take a screenshot of it. Because I promise you, if you don't, they're going to come back and pretend that you're, you're the liar. They never said those things. It's all you. Okay, so you need to take a picture of it. You need to write it down if you want to keep your sanity. And know, even if you don't confront them about it later, you can look back at your notes and say, okay, I, I knew that's what you said. I knew that's what you did. You're saying otherwise now. You know they're lying, and maybe that'll be enough to, you know, get you to get out of the situation. I hope so. Anyway, so I sure hope this has helped somebody. Um, thanks again for listening. Um, if you like it, please share it. Um, send it to your family, friends, whoever it can help. 
And we also, on our website, which is KennyWilliamson.com, you can go on there and we have some links if you want to donate. We have a new thing called the 777 Club, where if you donate $30 a month, you get a sticker and you can possibly be a guest on a future podcast and maybe some newsletters and some other things. So you may consider that. Um, Other than that, thanks again um, and God bless you.